Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. And we're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Amen. If there is one verse of scripture that I think really summarizes our journey together over these 15 years, it's got to be 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. I want to put this verse up on the screen, and I want you to read it out loud with me today. You ready? One, two, three. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. Amen? That verse teaches us that God is not just faithful in the calling. He doesn't call us to something and then say, hey, it's up to you to go figure it out. You come up with the strategy, you come up with the plan, you come up with the process. No, he's not just faithful in the calling, he's faithful in the bringing to pass. So I want to, out of that little verse of scripture, just share a couple of thoughts with you today. I knew today was going to be a special day. We wanted to be able to share the story with you and let you see all of this journey. And I knew that I was going to be a mess emotionally. I wasn't going to be able to preach as long as I normally would, but I could not preach. So we're going to have to look at God's word for a moment together today. So I want to show you two things out of this verse that I think are super applicable for us today. And here's the first one. God is faithful. If you believe that, say amen. amen. If you have witnessed the faithfulness of God in your life, say amen. amen. If you have enjoyed the faithfulness of God here at Hope, say amen. amen. Listen, God is faithful. It's something that we say so often that I think often it loses the significance when we say it, but we need to understand God is faithful. Faithful, And we don't call him faithful because he does faithful things. He does faithful things because God is faithful. In the ancient Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, they emphasize truth differently than we do in our language. What speaks volumes in the Greek language, the way it was written in the New Testament, is the order of words in a sentence where you and I will craft a sentence in English, and it's not necessarily the first word in the sentence that is so significant. It's the meaning of the sentence in its entirety and the verbs in those sentences. In the Greek text, one of the things that identified what was the most important thought in the, in the sentence was word order. The very first word in this sentence is the word faithful. It emphasizes the fact that God is faithful. And I want you to hear me say this. He is faithful even at times when it doesn't feel like he's faithful. Anybody ever been in a season where it didn't feel like God was faithful? Don't lie to me. I know, right? We've all been there. 2012. After 11 years 
of roaming around from facility to facility, campus to campus, wherever we could find a place to meet, we met until they ran us out, and then we found another one. We moved around so many times, I said earlier, we felt like the children of Israel wandering around in the desert. We were just moving. But 2012, God finally gave us this campus, this launching pad. After 11 years of seeking God, we moved in here in March of 2012. In August of 2012, we experienced the 100-year flood. We've been in this facility three and a half months, and our buildings were underwater. There was a season, you can see it there, where there was like a river. I was standing in it at one point. It was knee-deep on this campus. Where you're sitting right now was underwater up to the top of this stage. We'd been in it three and a half months. And let me just tell you, when you move to the desert to join in God's activity of planting a church, you have expectation of opposition. You understand the enemy's not going to be happy. So you think of all the considerable possibilities that there could be of the ways the enemy's going to come against you. But when you are in the desert, you never think about a flood. Standing in that water with water running, literally, we had firemen carrying people out of our building because they couldn't get out of our building. The water was moving so rapidly. We were the lead story on the news for five days in Las Vegas. We have new trucks, news trucks parked all around our campus. Our president flew into our city at that point of the United States. Our story preempted him on the news. It was such a big story in Las Vegas. When you're standing in the middle of water in a desert, in a campus that you've waited 11 years to have and it's being flooded, it doesn't feel like God is faithful. But over the next five weekends, we saw 250 people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let me tell you how it happened. Most of them saw us on the news and they came just to see what was happening when they saw the hundreds of volunteers. Listen, it didn't feel like, it didn't look like the faithfulness of God, but it was the faithfulness of God drawing people to himself and changing lives for his glory. From Genesis to Revelation, we discover that God is a faithful God and he's always been faithful. God was faithful to Adam in the Old Testament book of Genesis by providing a way of reconciliation. God was faithful to Noah by providing an ark. God was faithful to Abraham by providing a son. God was faithful to Moses by parting the Red Sea and providing in the wilderness. God was faithful to Jonah by providing a place for him in the belly of a whale for three days and by pursuing him and not letting him run away from the faithfulness of God. God's been faithful to Peter in the Old in the New Testament and to Paul and that same God who's been faithful throughout the history of his relationship with humanity is still being faithful to us today. God is faithful. Let me just quickly share with you some of the ways God's faithful. God's faithful in salvation. Look at this verse on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Read the first three words out loud. God is what? God is faithful through whom you were called into this fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful in salvation. The choir and Andy sang it just a moment ago. Aren't you glad to have Andy and Amy back from Africa? Amen. 
Andy and Amy Milligan were in our church. We've now sent them out. They're missionaries in Southern Africa through an organization called Operation Mobilization. But what a blessing to have them back. And Andy, every time he comes, I think we make him sing that song, Jesus Saves, right? Why? Why do we do that? Because Jesus saves. Amen? Aren't you glad that God is faithful in the saving business? Last Sunday, we had people saved in all of our services. But if you were here last Sunday night, man, God moved in this place last Sunday night. The invitation of our service lasted almost 20 minutes. People kept coming to be saved and kept coming to be saved and kept. we tried to shut it down three times and the Holy Spirit of God wouldn't let us. Why? Because God is faithful in salvation. Aren't you thankful that he saved you? Listen, I'm thankful that he was faithful in September 1989 in an apartment in Florence, Alabama when in his grace he reached down and rescued me from my sin and he saved me. He's faithful in salvation. Amen. Hey, maybe you're here today And you're going to experience his salvation. And you'll know what we're talking about when we say God's faithful in salvation. God's also faithful in temptation. Look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And said out loud, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also so that you may be able to endure it. Here's what that means. My ability to experience victory over sin is not found in my faithfulness to him. My my ability to experience victory over sin is found in his faithfulness to me. Today, listen, I don't know what you're walking in. I don't know what sin you're struggling with, but you need to understand your ability to find victory doesn't rest in your faithfulness. We have a God who is faithful, and in every moment of temptation, he will provide a way of escape. God is also faithful in protecting us from the enemy. Look at it. But the Lord is, said out loud, faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Hey, thankful that the word of God says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. But also God is faithful. Look at this. When we are unfaithful. Look at this. If we are said out loud. You know what that word means? It means literally it's a compound word. It literally means without faith. If we are faithless means to be unfaithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for look at this he cannot deny himself it's just who he is you may try to run you may try to run outside the grace of God you may try to rebel against God you may try to turn your back on God but he'll remain faithful because that's who he is God is faithful. I want you to say that out loud. God is faithful. God is so faithful that his faithfulness is not altered by my unfaithfulness. You know how different that is from you and me? We often say, I'll be faithful as long as you're faithful. Soon as somebody's unfaithful, we want out. Come on. Don't look at me spiritual. You know it's true. I'm all in on faithfulness until the one that I'm being faithful to isn't faithful, and then I want out. 
Aren't you glad our God's not like that? And here's what the Bible says. He can't be like that because it's who he is. He's just faithful. But here's the second thing I want you to see, and, and, and I'll be done. Here's the second one. God is faithful to us at hope. God's faithful. But he's been really faithful to us. I stand here this morning and I look around this room. And I'm just in awe of what God's done. 15 years. 15 years we've watched God just be faithful. And I'm telling you, I hadn't always been to him. I've doubted him. I've questioned him. Listen, there have been times people in my neighborhood thought I was crazy. I've left my house and walked up and down the streets arguing and shouting at God at times over 15 years. I'm telling you the truth. I got so mad at God one time sitting in a restaurant about three and a half miles from my home that I told my wife, you just drive home, I'm walking home. I shouted at God all the way home. I'm not making it up. And yet God has still been faithful to us. I feel like sometimes the story I heard recently pastor friend of mine named Ken Witten said he had a young man in his church that came to him. He was mad at God. Felt like God had let him down. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to kneel down beside your bed. And I want you to imagine your bed is the chest of God. And I just want you to beat on it. And the little boy did. He went home and he just, for two and a half hours, just pounded on what he believed to be the chest of God. To the point of complete exhaustion. And then he laid down on that bed. The Spirit of God said, that very chest that you were beating on is now the bed that you're laying on and that God is embracing you. And he felt the faithfulness of that God just wrap his arms around him. Just pull. I feel like that sometimes. God has... Been faithful to us. How has he been faithful? Let me give you two ways. He's faithfully invited us to join in his activity. That's that little word, calls. Faithful is he who calls you. That word call means to invite to a task. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that God needed any of us. He did not need us. God was doing something in the city of Las Vegas that by his sovereign grace he had ordained in eternity past. But by that same grace, he faithfully invited us to be a part of what he's doing. It's how our church began in my God time in 1999. And for 15 years of his favor, it's how he's faithfully continued to invite us into what he's doing. Let me tell you what that does. That establishes two priorities for us at Hope. Here's the first priority. Our pursuit is Him. He 
invites us. That implies that out of the overflow of our intimate walk with him, our fellowship relationship with God, in moments, God will speak into our lives. God will make himself known. Moments that, listen, we're not necessarily planning. I'm telling you, in September 1999, when I opened my Bible to spend time with God that morning, Las Vegas wasn't on my radar at all. I didn't even wake up that morning and say, God, show me something great. I might have even walked into my quiet time that morning, not really even wanting to be there. But as you and I simply pursue him, he will be faithful through the vehicle of our relationship with him to invite us into his activity. Which means, get this, the greatest thing anybody in this room brings into this church, me included, the greatest thing anybody up here brings into this church is not our talent, it's not our ability. It's not our resources. It's not our creativity. It's not our gift. It's not our leadership ability. You know what the greatest thing we bring into this? You know what the greatest thing you bring in here is? Your ability to walk with God and hear his voice. Because you know how God's going to keep inviting us to get in on what he's doing? Out of the overflow of the relationship, he's going to speak into our lives. The greatest thing you bring into this fellowship is your intimate love relationship with Jesus. That's why the Bible said in John 5, 17, my father is working until now, Jesus said, and I myself am working. It's the principle that God is at work all around us. And the way God invites us to be involved in what he's doing is through the vehicle of the relationship. Our job is not to come up with a plan. Our job is simply to pursue him, to wait on his voice, and when God speaks, to join in what he's doing. Our pursuit is Him. It's not a strategy. It's not a vision. It's Him. And here's the second thing. When we hear His voice, our response is surrender. Think about how simple that is. How do we know what's next? Here's how we know. We pursue Him. And when He speaks, we surrender. Just say yes. Lord, yes. Here's a life-changing lesson that I wrote down that I really think encapsulates 15 years of our history. He didn't invite us so we could do something for him. He invited us so that we, he could do something through us. As we pursue him and surrender to his voice. That's who we are as a church. God's invited us to get in on what he's doing so that he could do something through us as we pursue him and surrender to his voice. That's our story in a sentence. That's who we are. Why, do we, why does he do it that way? Here's why he does it that way. Because then he gets all the glory. Instead of us standing here today and looking back over 15 years and saying, hey, look what we've done. You know what we get to do? We get to stand here today and we get to say, man, 
Look what he's done. Look what God did. And you've heard me tell you a bunch of times. You heard it on video today. He couldn't have picked three guys that knew less about this than the guys that were sent out here. Chip said it on the video. I was such a disappointment. I didn't meet any of the criteria. Why would God do it that way? Here's why. He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. God's been faithful to invite us. Here's the second way we've seen his faithfulness. God will be faithful to accomplish his activity through us. Man, for 15 years we've witnessed it. We've seen God's faithfulness. He did what he said he was going to do. Chip, you'll remember this. Chip and I made our first trip to Las Vegas. We had, uh, Christy and I had put our yes on the table. We'd resigned our church in Memphis, but I'd never been here before. So Chip and I go on a plane to make a trip out here. We come to Las Vegas, and we're going to meet with a family that somebody had told us about here named Lowell and Edna Thomas. It was a retired couple living in a trailer park that were looking for a church in this area. So we go to dinner with this couple from Northern California. He was a retired oil guy in Northern California, and we, Chip and I go to dinner with him, and I mean, here we are, these young church planners coming out here thinking we're going to reach all these young families. And here I'm sitting across the table from a 70-something-year-old man and his wife. And I start telling him what God's put in my heart. About this church that would be born that would reach a city and begin to multiply churches up and down the West Coast and work on continents around the world. And I took him to a verse of Scripture in Psalm 107.35 that said... He changes a wilderness into a pool of water. Some verses God gave us early on. He changes a wilderness into a pool of water and dry ground into springs of water. And there he makes the hungry to dwell so that they may establish an inhabited city and sow fields and plant vineyards and gather a fruitful harvest. And he blesses them and they multiply greatly. God had spoken that into my heart that that's what he was going to do in the city of Las Vegas. That he was going to bless and multiply this fellowship and use us to touch the nations. And I'm sitting across the table from this older couple with a lot of life experience. And he looks at me and he says, man, that's about the craziest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) But he said, if even half of it happens, I want you to know my wife and I are in They were the first family that joined in with us, became a part of our fellowship and helped us get established early on. Lowell's now in heaven with Jesus. He died, went to be with the Lord a few years ago. And everything we talked about that night at that table, we've seen God be faithful to do. Thousands have come to Christ. 34 churches have been planted out of our church. We've worked on six continents around the world where we've seen untold thousands of people come to know faith in Jesus. But I love what the verse said. He will bring it to pass. Faithful is he who calls us, and he will bring it, meaning future. Here's what that means. We don't just get to look back and celebrate what God's done. We get to look forward and anticipate all that God is going to continue to do. He will bring. It's future. Faithful. As God continues to faithfully invite us to join in what he's doing, we get to watch God continue to be faithful. And I just thought about that this week. What will he do in our city? Should the Lord tarry another 15, 20, 25, 30 years? Think about the untold 
thousands of people who are today sitting in Las Vegas who are lost that God is going to bring to himself to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We've been thinking about and praying about what area of our city is God going to let us grab hold of? Is it homelessness or sex trafficking or the foster care situation or education? What area of our city is God going to let us as a church wrap our arms around? And 10 or 15 years from now, we look back and God has changed that area in our city because God raised our church up. What will he do? What will he do when we begin to think about church planting? We've planted 34 churches in 15 years, but what if there were hundreds of new churches in the next 15 years? Daughter churches, granddaughter churches, all up and down the West Coast, thousands of people. What if there was a multiplying movement of churches with a heart to reach the nations for the glory and honor of God? What will he do? What will he do among the nations? As we think about engaging places like the Wadi people, this unreached people group in the Arabian Peninsula, who've never had a reproducing, multiplying church among their people speaking their language, what if God would allow us to usher in the kingdom of God to that people? And we'd begin to see a rapid reproduction of the gospel. What if a movement would happen through the Middle East that God would let us be a part of? What will he do? Here's the last last thought. When I was praying this week about today, God spoke to my heart. And you know, if you come here often, I don't, I don't use that kind of phrase very often. I, I, I just don't use that phrase very often. I think it's an abused phrase. Well, God told me, God spoke. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God in my prayer time spoke to my heart. For 15 years, we've said when God birthed this church, he had the nations on his heart. And I believe that's true. I believe we've yet to see the story of what God's going to do among the people groups of the earth through this fellowship. But when I was praying, God birthed something in my heart that I've never thought of before. When God birthed our church, he had our nation on his heart. And here's what I mean by that. you've been watching the news, if you had not been living under a rock, our nation is being ripped apart along racial and cultural lines. Our nation is being ripped apart at the seams. People are hurting. People are feeling wounded. There's anger, there's frustration, there's fear. And listen, the hope is not in Washington, D.C. I don't care which animal you ride or what political party you're in. The hope is not in Washington, D.C. The hope is not in an election in November, so get that out of your head. That is not the answer. That is not the solution. The goal and the hope is not in any form of legislation. There's not a law that we can pass that's going to change the heart of a human being. I'm telling you, the only hope, the only hope is the glorious, unashamed gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what I see. When I look around this room, just look around this room. We look like a bag of Skittles got dumped out in here. How 
is that possible? The world says, our society says, we're supposed to draw lines. We're supposed to hate each other. We're supposed to be in fear of each other. We're not supposed to be together. But I'm telling you, the gospel of Jesus Christ can reconcile us. The gospel of Jesus Christ can make us one family. Listen to me. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The issue is not black or white or brown. The issue is red. The shed blood of Jesus Christ that is atoned for all of our sins. And here's what I believe. I believe God spoke to me this week. God birthed our church for such a time as this. Now let me say, it is not going to be easy. We can sing some songs and we can stand up and clap, but I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be easy. Everybody in this room from every culture represented is going to have to die to ourselves and die to where we've come from so that the life and the glory of Jesus can be manifest in and through us. Listen, that doesn't mean that cultural differences are not beautiful. Listen, cultural differences are beautiful because God made them, God created them, and diversity is a wonderful thing. But you and I are a part of something that is greater than any other culture. Our citizenship is in heaven. I believe that God has birthed our church. And is going to use us to be a model and a minister of reconciliation in our city and across our nation for his glory. And here's what's going to happen. Some are going to leave. They're not going to like it. We love you. We love you. We don't want you to leave. But we will not be anything less than the church of Jesus Christ reconciled in the glorious gospel of Jesus. So I think we've heard from the Lord. <laughs> I think now it's time for us to surrender. We've heard his voice. He has great things in store. He has great things in store. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't have racial and cultural reconciliation on my radar when I moved to Las Vegas. I mean, you saw the video, three white guys from the South. Three white guys from the South. Could there be a less qualified group to be about racial reconciliation? Listen, I know my history. But when it happens, we can say, look what he did. Look what he did. Let's pray. Father, speak to us today. 
Use us today. We're going to sing together a song of worship. It's a song that our team wrote about surrender. And we're going to sing it as a response today. But maybe you're here and you don't know this Jesus that we've talked about. Maybe you've never come to know him. While we're singing this song, we have pastors here at the front. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you simply come to one of these pastors say, I need Jesus. We'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and show you how you can be born again into relationship with God. For others of you, these pastors are here today. You can come and pray with one of them. They'd be honored to pray over you, pray with you, pray for you. Others, this altar is going to be open. You can come and just meet with God about something God's spoken into your heart today. You can just pray. So as as God speaks, you respond. For most of us, it's an opportunity to surrender in this song. Let's just surrender to him. Father, use this for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Let's stand together. Our team's going to lead. You respond as God speaks.